Let's turn to Matthew. We're going to get back in there. And we're in Matthew 10. Um, And we're in this very interesting passage for me that, um, that, that I think is good. I mean, I think it's good. Obviously, it's good, right? Doesn't matter if I think it's good or not. Um, but it's really interesting, and I, I want us to have a little bit of a conversation about it just so we can talk about all the players in the story, okay? So we're going to be in Matthew 10. We're going to start just in the first verse, and I'm going to read, and then I want us to talk about the characters in the story together because I think it matters to the story. I think too often we feel like we know who the characters are, and I don't know that we do because I don't think I do all the time. Um, And thinking through this story, and yeah, let's just read. Let's do that. Um, And he called to him, and this is Jesus, the he. So Jesus called to himself 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay? Now, too often, we can just read that list and be like, cool, this is a bunch of guys' names, that's the end. But who were these people? And, and in the beginning... The part, to me, that kind of is, is not uncomfortable, but is strange, is that Jesus gets these people together, and he says, okay, I'm going to give you authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. I don't know what that looks like. For Jesus to say, I'm going to give you the authority, zoot, you have it. Or, you know, like, I don't know what, how, right? That more than likely, we read later, they lay hands on them and pray to them, Maybe there's oil anointing. I don't don't know what it looks like, right? I I really don't. And I have tried to read a few things about this. I I don't know what that looked like. But Jesus gives them this authority. And then who is it that Jesus gives authority to? So here's what I want to do. I just want, if any of you know anything about any of those 12 people, you can just describe them. And if you're wrong, I'll pretend it's real good. And we'll just keep going, and I'll add to it, probably, and then we'll just keep going. So does anyone know anything about those 12 people? What is it? Some of them are fishermen. What does it mean that they were fishermen? Why is that even important? That's correct. You're, you're very right and lovely. But like, what, why is that important that they're fishermen? What's the big deal? They weren't scholars. How do we know that? Because they're fishermen, right? So Jewish boys in that day would go to school, and at a certain age you would have this test. I'm going to simplify it in a, the most simple way. But they would have this test, and if they had memorized enough of the Torah, the Pentateuch, right, the first five books of the Old Testament, if they memorized enough of that by a certain age and could recite it and had mastery over it, they could advance to more schooling, right? And then you would learn more of the Old Testament and more of the prophets and more of the the Psalms and the the poets and all those things. 
And if you could continue to memorize and continue to have mastery over the subject, you got to continue schooling. But if you failed, or you weren't promising enough, or you couldn't memorize further, or you had no mastery over the subject, or you just gave up, you would then go and do your father's profession, which for these brothers was, he was a fisherman. So they would go do the father's profession. Now, today, if someone did their father's profession, that's kind of cool, right? It's neat, right? So if, if Asher one day wants to work at Habitat and build affordable housing, I'd be like extremely proud, right? I'd be like, oh man, I'm glad that matters to you. I mean, that's, that's interesting that you love that. I, I, I think it's great that you have a heart for that. That's great, right? And, and Brian most likely wouldn't like huh, scoff at that, right? It's like, oh, uh, that's a good thing Asher wants to do, right? And that day, that's not necessarily the look. They would do that thing because they had to, because they had, they had promised out of everything else. There was no chance they were smart enough to do anything but what their father could do, those Jewish boys. And so for them to be fishermen meant that the rest of the culture, the rest of thought and philosophy and religion had given up on them advancing further and said, you, you know what your place is, you catch fish. That's you. That's all you can amount to be. Not that being a fisherman is bad, but in that culture, that was it. So for them to be fishermen meant they didn't have the promise of a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or an Essene. That was it. They weren't smart enough. They couldn't cut it. They were fishermen. They smelled like fish all day. They worked with their hands. It was dangerous, right? That was their lot in life. Who else? What else? What else about this crew? Do we know anything else about them? Not the most respected is the lightest way to say it. What else about a tax collector, though, Meg? And it's Matthew. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah. And why wouldn't you associate with them? That's okay. Someone helped. That you're right. You're exactly right. They didn't have the best reputation because of what? Right. They, they were, they like committed treason against their own people. They cheated their own people for Rome and for their own pockets, right? They would collect taxes when they would travel back and forth or when they would purchase or whatever they would do. And then they would pad their own pocket in the name of Rome, which was terrible enough, that Rome would hire them to collect money from their own countrymen was awful. And then the fact that they would cheat them on top of it just to have a nicer house, the nicer this, the separation from the Jewish people was just was the worst you could do, right? And they were in like the pockets of the pagans, in, in the pockets of the people, the oppressor, right? And that's who Matthew was. And Jesus goes to him a few chapters ago, calls Matthew from the booth while he's acting, while he's actively oppressing, which is crazy. We don't, we don't have a lot of um, examples because we're fortunate and because we're privileged. We don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of situations where we see 
active oppression in our midst and can celebrate or condemn it like while it's going on. There are some, but it's not like a tax collector booth of this day when you could actively walk up and volunteer yourself to be oppressed by, you know, by a people, by someone of your own kind also. But then for Jesus to walk up to pay taxes and call Matthew is a big deal while he's actively oppressing. It's, it's, a, it's a huge statement and a crazy thing to do. But who else? So you have tax collectors, we have fishermen. Who else? Right? What, what about the zealot? Right. I love that you said hijinks. That's awesome. It's like Carmen Sandiego. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's too really good. Carmen Sandiego was, yeah, like in first grade, I remember this game. It was in the hijinks. That, oh, it's awesome. So a zealot wasn't a zealot for like the good of God necessarily. So we, we think when they're saying Simon the zealot that, oh, that could be good. He's like really faithful. N- no, he's absolutely not faithful. Um, some, some, Scholars would say it's like this fourth sect of Judaism, this very violent, very corrosive sect of Judaism. So you would have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes, and then some would have the Zealots. They, they were that strong after Jesus' death also. And the idea, like, like Brian was saying, is you would take a pact to, in, in the way of violence, assassinate Romans that had control over you. And so, you, legitimately, the hope of every zealot boy would be to get to kill a centurion or a high-ranking Roman official, to, to stab them to death, to, to murder them, legitimately. And they felt that it was their place to no longer negotiate with Rome, no longer bow to that. Some scholars even say that the, the and this is a longer story, and I had more to talk about on this, but it's not necessary, that the fall of the temple and in fact, the, the uprising of Jews that, that led to the fall of the temple was because of the zealots. Like the zealots would also hurt Jews that were sympathetic to Romans or that would be in political, I don't know, accord with Roman rule. So like the Jews that would be in leadership that would try to make peace so that Romans wouldn't hurt other Jewish people, zealots would hate them as well and, and try to assassinate them. So you would have to have security from zealots because they were, te- they were terrible, right? And they were violent, and they were um, other, other uh, times in, it's not in scriptural writing, but in writings that were in the same time as scripture, they called them, the best translation was like ruffians or brutes, or um, they used other choice language, but they, they like weren't looked highly upon. So you had a zealot, you had a tax collector, which the zealot would want to kill him, all the time, right? So in the midst of the 12, you had a guy that would want to kill all the tax collectors and a tax collector. You'd have fishermen that weren't learned. And who else? Who else is in there? The names were Simon, it's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot. Who's this last guy? Who's the last one? Betrays Jesus. How? 
right? With what means? What was like, how did he betray him? Kissed his face. He like kissed a person to get him killed and to have, was it 30 pieces of silver? <laughs> it's an interesting crew. And I think we don't realize how downtrodden and how neglected and how void of promise and charisma this crew of people is. And it's, it's important to note, not because we want to trash them or say they weren't worth anything like their culture did, but it's to say Jesus chose them out of a bunch, at this point, Jesus has followers that are following him around. He's, he's doing miraculous things. People want to go where Jesus is going. He, he cannot get through a crowd because everyone's touching him to heal this guy's daughter and ends up healing a lady on the way. He's casting out demons. This, this is like the most popular part of Jesus' whole life. And the ones he picks and gives authority to do what he is doing is this group of screw-ups. <laughs> it's them. It's the ones that can't memorize the Pentateuch like their buddies can. All of their peers, not all, that's not true. Some of their peers, their, their intelligent peers kept going in school and were smart. They weren't. They flunked out. And Jesus said, you are the ones I want. I'll go get you at your dad's profession. I'll go get you with the fish. With everything that comes with that. He goes to the tax collector's booth. The trader's place of trading. The oppressor's oppression spot. And says, you're the one I need. The zealot, the one that he knows is going to have a hard time not hating some of the people that also he's called. Jesus says, no, I want you. The, the, the one who's going to betray him by this kiss on the face. He says, no, you're for me. And here, here's why that's important. And I don't mean to make this just about Church at East. But we can fall into this problem of like wanting to be smart enough or have our life together enough or be more savvy or more stable or more name it to realize that we have the authority to bring the kingdom of heaven to people. Right? I know in our family, I'll just say, in the Evers house, we just want a simpler season and a better rhythm so that we can be, we can host more or we can invite people here and actually talk to them rather than chase our children around and maybe meet them. We want to be able 
to be in a different spot financially to give more. We want to do all these things. There's all this stuff that's wrapped up into when we think we can do the most for us, for the us, right? And I know that's, I know it's convoluted because I'm here saying it, so I, I get that. Like, I understand the weirdness of that. But we can all fall into that. We want to be in a better spot so we can lead, or how can I be loud about this? Look who I am, right? All this stuff, right? Jesus tells people they can heal the sick when they were trying to murder weeks before. He took someone who was stealing from other people, and he said, I want you to go and be a giver to those people you stole from. And yeah, they may hate you. you got to figure that out, <laughs> right? Tell them you're sorry. Tell them you come with blessing, right? Matthew. And he, he takes these people who have no business being the voice of a thing, much less the movement of the Messiah. And he says, you're, you're it. You're the ones. And, and I don't want to be overdramatic, overly dramatic about it with us. And I know this isn't the only movement in our city of the kingdom. That's, that'd be so ignorant to say. It'd be so short-sighted. But the truth of it is, we are an us who wants, who, who meet together for a reason. We think, right, that this community means something. It has some value to us. And we say, the way that we all talk about the kingdom, the way we meet together in our homes, the way we have, you know, what we say to each other when we see each other at cookie parties where I'm going to eat a bunch of lemon bars matters. It means something, right? It's like, it, it's of some value. But it's hard for us to believe that we have any right to say anything about it or that we're in a place where we can, probably, the truth of it is, it's always been with the us's of the world that the kingdom has flourished, that the kingdom has, has done its thing, <laughs> that it's been the actual kingdom. Otherwise, it'd be polished and pretty and attractive and have a lot of charisma, right? And there'd be leaders flowing out of the door. I mean, we've all heard that nonsense. Jesus didn't seem to think that stuff weighed as much as the hearts of people that were around him. And Jesus seemed to think that the people in front of him, the people that got it wrong all the time, the people that soon are going to be like, oh, we should call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans. And Jesus is like, yeah, please don't try. I mean, no, that's not it at all, right? Or the ones that one guy's going to walk on water to show everyone who, I mean, all the things, these are them. And Jesus says, it's you I want. And then we go on, and I'll be, I'll be so short because this is getting longer than I meant. Um, the twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and of no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out, cast out demons, you received without paying, give without pay. 
acquiring no gold, no silver, no copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff for the laborer deserves his food, and whatever town or village you come to, find out who is worthy in it and stay with them until you depart. He goes on and on and on and on. But the, the thing I want us to talk about, and then we'll be done, is why in the world would Jesus say, don't go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans? Why would Jesus say that? I used to hate that. I hated that part of this whole story. That Jesus would say, now don't go here or here. Why, why is that important though? What is Jesus saying with that? Is he saying the Samaritans don't deserve the kingdom? Because what does Jesus do here in a little bit? He goes to the Samaritans, right? We have the story where he meets this lady at the well, right? So does Jesus not want the gospel to go to the Samaritans? And he also says don't go to Gentiles, but I think the story's already happened, and it's, or it's about to, that who comes to Jesus... And Jesus gives them full attention. It's a centurion, and again, an active oppressor, over 100 people, and says, no faith have I found in all of Jerusalem like this person. So that's not it. What is it then? Why would Jesus need to say that? Any thoughts? And if you don't have any, that's fine. But what are the thoughts? Fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's super fair. And we, we see that later too, because when the kingdom comes to the Gentiles later with Peter, right, it's like this explosion for everyone. And they're like, oh my goodness, God loves them. And it's, yeah, yes, of course. Jesus has been doing this. <laughs> so you're right. Maybe it was too much too fast to do it right then. What else? I think that's very fair. What else? We have the whole like prophetic idea of, of God sending the Messiah to the Jews, right? So we have that component as well. But, but what else could mean something to us? Yes, I agree. Maybe... Jesus said, where you are is where you are sent. Go to the fishermen. Go to the other tax collector booths. Go to the other zealots. Go where you go and offer the kingdom of heaven at hand. Don't, don't right away jump to how can I go here or change this or do this. Rather, and again, that is not wrong. That has its place and it's beautiful and lovely. And Jesus talks about this later. And at the end of everything, sends them to the whole world, right? To the known existence of people and sends them out. But right now, Jesus says, go to the people you are always around and offer them the kingdom. Right now, you are the ones you dropouts, you hopeful murderer, your dream has been to kill, you oppressor, you about to betray me, you 
go with what I've given you right now. You're the ones. And I just, and just, I, I want us to maybe see, I know it's the start of a new year, which is so arbitrary to me. It's, it's just January. It could be, if the new year was in June, it would be a new year in June, right? So it's, it's fine. The resolution's whatever. But what if we realize and think that everywhere we are, we are sent to them with the kingdom. And it's us who was meant to be sent to them. That there, there's probably, and maybe, who knows, that there might not be anyone else sent to them. We, we're about to hire new folks at Habitat, and I'm going to meet them Tuesday. I mean, I've met them, interviewed them and all that, but I'm going to office with them Tuesday. I am sent to them. They are people I'm to love and to offer justice and hope and the kingdom to. And that is how I need to see it. And what if that's how we envisioned our workplaces and that's how we envisioned the people we live in a house with? We, we looked at them and saw, this, I need to give love and hope and justice to them, not just my leftovers. And what if the, the grocery store you always go to and the gas station you stop at, we all have routines. What if we saw that really as Jesus sending us to them to raise the dead? <laughs> what would that look like to us? And I, I want us to see our lives, our routines, our schedules as those who we are being sent to. So let's stand together and pray about that. Um, and let's, let's do that this way. So we're going to have communion. What, what I want us to think about as we have communion, I'll read the liturgy of response. I'll read, you'll, you'll read back to me, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. As we say the Lord's Prayer, I, I want us to say the Lord's Prayer in a way of those that said the Lord's Prayer with Jesus then. The outcasts, the down and outs, the, the ones Jesus said, you know what, you are to be my apostles. And as we read the Lord's Prayer, just know that we are ones Jesus is calling. To know that we are the sent ones everywhere we put our feet. And to enjoy that and have community there, okay? So let's, let's do that together.